Here are some random headlines uh, that I took from some internet uh, news websites. And I'll just read them. Seven people were stabbed in Vancouver. United Nations admitting solar activity may play a significant role in global warming. Sixty students at Harvard disciplined for cheating on a take-home exam, and this was only in one course that was offered to a number of students. Former first dog Barney died, 12 years of age. His honor Koch, Mayor Koch, how am I doing? Passed away at 88. Gas prices to top $4 soon. Most news that is published or broadcast is not good news. Granted, though I think it is good news that the UN is now taking a look at the activity that the sun might play in global warming. I believe further that uh, uh, this uh, exploration that they might turn to now will expose the frauds and hucksters who've tried to take our money through taxes and dominate our lives through political structures. This list is a typical list of what occupies, if you will, what occupies us and our thoughts. What it means is this, it seems to me. We are marred in a world that reminds us all the time of death and destruction, and that death and destruction are at work in our world. That seems to be the way things are. We think more of what is wrong almost always than what is right. That's why I love the little gospel song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One, because we tend to think about what we don't have than what we do have. Paul, in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21, invites us to get a different perspective. Now, let me say these few verses in the 2 Corinthians are extraordinarily complex, and I'm not even going to touch upon the complexities, except to tell you I'm aware of them. Some of them are linguistic, and uh, some of them are interpretive. And I'm just going to pass to my understanding, the plain and simple understanding of this text. But it is a rather important text. And I hope you see that by the time we finish. In this sermon today, I, I want you to consider a new perspective on life that is rooted in the person and work of Christ. I know you know that, but I want you to see what it means. And it will provide you, I think, a healthy outlook on life and will also help you to understand your purpose on earth. Paul had a difficult time with the Corinthians. You know, I think I told the nominating committee at the beginning when I was uh, giving an orientation to them, and I haven't talked with them since, really, as a group, except one other time about procedures. 
that most churches, including Westminster, probably wouldn't have the Apostle Paul as their pastor. Now, they might be right. He was a difficult man, like Jonathan Edwards. But he was perfectly suited, perfectly suited to do missionary activity and to establish churches. He didn't have to be in one place so long. Nonetheless, the Apostle Paul had a tough relation with those in Corinth. There are people there who did not like his personality. There were people in Corinth who did not trust him. There were people at Corinth who didn't understand him or why he did things the way he did. And the Apostle Paul, rather than taking it personally, and by the way, he does to some extent because this is the most offensive book in the New Testament that he, has, that he wrote. All the way through, you can see that he is injured personally by his relationships and the criticisms. But nonetheless, he believes that if they get right with God, they will accept him the way he is. Now remember that, but let's continue. In spite of his difficulties with the church on a personal level, Paul in this particular passage provides us a perspective on life. And he calls us to that perspective and he sums it up finally in the term that I have entitled the sermon, Ambassador. But let's look at this. The basis of this new perspective that Paul is calling us to, the Corinthians and us today, is based on the person and work of Christ. Now that's kind of a shibboleth, person and work of Christ. You see it in the Westminster Standards all the time, and some of you have maybe no idea what that means. Well, let me just briefly unpack it. When we talk about the person of Christ, we are talking about who he is. He's both fully man and fully God. And the gospel is entirely authenticated and established in that personhood. No other person could have died on the cross and saved us from our sins except one who was fully man and fully God. So we talk about his person, and Paul wants him to remember that. And I'll demonstrate this just in a second. And the second thing he wants us to remember is this. The work of Christ. He came and he died on the cross and was raised on the third day and ascended into heaven and is coming again. That's called his work, what he did for us. Now, notice how Paul puts it in verse 21. God made him that is Christ, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Or consider this in verses 18 and 19. All this, he says, is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. That's his work. Now notice, Jesus, in a real sense, is the basis for this new perspective. He is the agent of 
if you will, inaugurating the new covenant and reconciling us to God. You might ask yourself, what is God doing in the world? Well, he's doing some things with his left hand and his right hand, Luther's terms. The left hand is hidden. God works all things out for his own glory. But the right hand has been revealed in his word through Christ. And when we read the gospel, we know what God has been doing in Christ. He is reconciling the world to himself. Now, the world is not going to, even though it's revealed, see that because they have blinders on. But you that have had your eyes open can read the New Testament. Now, this is crucial because this will get you a a new perspective on life if you see things through the prism of Christ. And uh, you will see many and various things. You will read the headline news differently. You will understand that there are more important things in the world than politics, more important things in the world than the pressures of the moment. And it does give you a new perspective. But it is one indeed that we lose from time to time. Isn't that true? Even Christians. So we talk about his work. He became sin for us and reconciled us to God. Now, Paul in verse 20 takes this as a springboard and he he does this theologically and he says to the Corinthians and to all who would follow, be reconciled to God. Now, if you read between the lines, and you should hear, he is subtly saying, if you are reconciled to God, you will be reconciled to me. You know, part of the problem that we are not reconciled to our neighbor is that we are not very well reconciled to God, if you will, or in right relations. Some of the conflicts that we have at their deepest level stem from a spiritual dysfunction. It has nothing to do with feelings. You know, we talk about sanctification in the Christian growth. Let me say something how to test sanctification. It is not how you feel. It has nothing to do with the way you feel. You might feel on top of the world and as happy as a lark and mistreating everyone around you and don't know it. The way you test your sanctification is through your relationship with others. You say, Pastor, how can you say something like that? Well, that is the test. Because reconciliation has to do with loving God and loving your neighbor. And if you are in a right relationship with God, it is more likely, not in every case, because some people you can't be in a right relationship with because they won't have you to be in a right relationship with. But you'll be in a right relationship with your neighbor. Now, that's one perspective. What is this new perspective? Well, it requires, in verse 16, Paul says, to require no one to perceive thing, if you will, from a worldly perspective. Look at this troubling verse. This is one of the things that is troubling in this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no longer. Paul thought of Jesus as one time as just a descendant of David like most Jews or many Jews in Israel. After the flesh, he saw nothing in the crucifixion of Christ. 
but a criminal who was rightly punished. He didn't believe in the resurrection. That was for the superstitious. Until he met Christ on the Damascus Road and he got a new perspective. And now he sees Christ as that one who has been resurrected and that God is reconciling the world, not just you and me, the entire world. Read Romans 8. Even the physical elements. A new creation. Reconciling all things to himself. And so he takes a different stance and he's going to view everything through that lens. I'm not going to view life, if I can put words in his mouth, I'm not going to view life through death and destruction. I'm going to view life through life and hope. Now that's the new perspective. And God is reconciling the world to himself. He's not pessimistic about the world. All of us tend to do, do that, don't we? Man, politics not going my way. Things are not going my way at the jobs. I can't even get things going the way I want to in my family. And so you're mired down and you look at everything from that murky, miry perspective. But he would remind you to remember to look at it through the lens and prism, if you will, of our Lord Jesus Christ who died for you and was raised for you on the cross. What a wonderful way, and what a wonderful way to be called to live. And so this is a new perspective, but he goes on to say, do not look at others through the prism either. Isn't it interesting sometimes the amount of mistrust that we gain with everyone is due from the fact that we see them and not the reconciling object that they are in Christ and the potential that they have of coming to know him. I see a person as my enemy. Now, in some sense, as we were talking the other day with a group, the whole world's at enmity with God. But that's not my perspective. My perspective is that God's doing something about it in Christ. Now, notice these parables, the parable of the lost son. What a hopeful parable. Who could send his day of opportunity any more away than this young man? And yet, there was hope for him. Notice who Christ ate with. He was not looking at them as those who were cheats and those who would steal and those who would prostitute themselves. He was not looking at him that way. He was looking at them as ones who potentially are reconcilable to God in Christ. Now, the new perspective for you, it's very simple. You too are reconcilers. As a matter of fact, in this passage, in this text, you are called ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Paul says, think about yourself as being a representative of the person and work of Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador. Now, notice what an ambassador does. An ambassador is not someone who acts on their own part. When we send an ambassador to a country or a nation, they don't establish their own policy. They have a portfolio handed to them and they have a mission handed to them and they go and deliver it. 
We don't make anything up or add to the gospel. It's handed to us. As Christians, we participate in Christ and we participate in the ministry. And Paul says, you are ambassadors of Christ. What Christ is doing in the world, he is also going to do through you as he has done through me. Now notice what this does. It gives you a mission. How any church cannot be mission-minded, I don't know, because it must be simply because we have lost sight of who Christ is. Paul says, be reconciled. We are to participate in that ministry. A couple weeks ago, and I'll have to follow up on it this week, we established some outreach evangelistic Bible studies. We'll have to make sure they function. But the point about them is that it is just simply carrying out the mission of Christ of reconciliation. It's a natural thing. It's a wonderful thing to participate in. And I hope some of the rest of you will get involved in this. It's a wonderful ministry. It'll bring joy to your heart to be part actively seeking to see people reconciled to Christ and to themselves and become whole and to have hope and faith. Some of you mentioned me from time to time. Um, Pastor, you must get discouraged. Well, let me say, by temperament and nature, I'm not easily discouraged. Uh, It may be because uh, nothing more than I'm obtuse. That there's a defect in my character, I don't know. But I'm not easily discouraged. But I do get discouraged. But the reason I'm not easily discouraged uh, is because of all of my defects, I, I still remember that God is doing something in this world, in this place, that our eyes do not always behold or see. And that I don't have to ask you to do this or to do that to make sure that you are, if you will, responding to me and to my ministry. I, I'm not very insecure in that area either. You take it or leave it. Um, and uh, a lot of people do leave it. And some take it. Uh, now, I say all that to say this. Regardless of all my defects, I do have, I think, and I've told my wife this, I at least have one virtue. I'm not easily discouraged. And I think here is why. You remember Blanche Sully. I went to visit her uh, one of the last times I visited her. She lived to be over 100 years old, and she was, I believe at the time, about 99 and a half and it was just getting to the place where she couldn't come to church. And we sat down, and she sat by the window in her living room, and I was across the way, and she was telling me what's going on now in her life. And she says, Pastor, I get up every day. She called me John, by the way. I get up every day. And I think of what God is doing, and I pray for the missionaries. I pray for every missionary on our list. And I pray for you every day. Now, people tell me they pray for me every day, but in this case, I really believed it. (laughs) (laughs) And some of you do pray for me every day, I have no doubt. Now, how can you get discouraged? 
How can you get discouraged? When you know the saints are praying for you and they're engaged in the ministry of reconciliation as ambassadors of Christ when they can't even get to church or across the way to the neighbor. Now, friends, that's a new perspective. The world will not reward that, but heaven does. We need a new perspective that we are ambassadors of Christ. And let Westminster adopt this posture. Let it be a posture that gives us great confidence in what we are doing and who we are. And that one day we will stand before the Lord our Maker in Jesus Christ. And that we will hear those words, Enter thou into the joys of the Lord, thy good and faithful servant. Amen.